You're listening to teaching from the Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Weddings are interesting. As a minister, I get to uh, see behind the scenes into a lot of weddings, and I've been on hand for probably more weddings than the average human being. Occasionally, people will write their own vows. That's something that people tend to do these days to create their own vows, and they like to get really creative with them. Uh, sometimes that works really well, sometimes it doesn't, but most of us are still familiar with the traditional vows, right? To have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Those are some pretty strong vows, the traditional vows, right? Later on in the service, a lot of times the preacher, the minister, the person who's officiating, if it's a religious ceremony, will say something like, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate, right? These are heavy words. And these words, uh, this quote here, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate, are actually a quote from Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. And if you ever want to read some strong words about marriage, just check out what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew chapter 10. And I'm sure that most of us, when we attend a wedding or maybe if we've been married, we don't walk into a marriage ceremony thinking that it's going to end early, Right? We don't go in with the expectation that this is going to end in a fiery crash. Right? This is not what our expectation is. But I also think that most of us, maybe not anyone, really knows what we're getting into when we get married. Right? Like we, we may not know or expect that there's going to be some trouble ahead, but we probably don't go in actually understanding what all is involved in marriage. In 2002, May 11th, uh, this lovely couple got married. At least half of them were lovely. The other half was me. And we, we had been together for a while, a serious relationship for over three years. Uh, I would say we were probably better equipped than most of our friends who got married to get married. But on that day, standing there in front of our friends and our family and a minister who was going to do the ceremony, I can tell you very honestly that neither one of us really knew what we were getting into, probably my wife more than me, but neither one of us really knew what was in store. Marriage is difficult. Marriage is tough. And the vows that we take, things like for better or for worse, they sound nice. But when it actually comes down to living out the for better, for worse, it's difficult. In sickness and in health, we think that might mean like a low-grade fever, right? But once vomit enters the picture, like nobody stands there on their wedding day going, that's what's in store for me, right? Until death do us part, the lastingness of it. What God has put together, let no one separate. These are strong, strong words. But marriage is interesting. There's a lot of things people talk about uh, being greater than the sum of their parts. 
when you take two things or multiple things and put them together and like the, the resulting thing being greater than the things that came together. And I think marriage, when it's at its best, can be described that way. Marriage, when it's at its best, can be described as being something that's greater than some of its parts. The, the husband and the wife, the couple that comes together, and, and they may be awesome individually, and, and they may be even awesome as a couple, but when a marriage thrives, it's even more amazing than what's brought to the table by the people who are in it. Today, we've been, we're going through this series on vows, and today's vow is partnership. We're going to talk about partnership, and when I say partnership, what I mean is committed, mutually beneficial relationship. And we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, and Philippians chapter 2 is not a Bible text specifically about marriage. In fact, it has to do with Christian living, words of encouragement for all Christians and how they should live life as a follower of Jesus. But I believe that when we think about strong marriages based on partnership, I believe that Philippians chapter 2 has some pretty powerful things to say to us Christians, especially those of us who are married. And so this morning, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to talk about what it means to live in partnership. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not married, or you don't have any intention of being married, or marriage isn't even on the table for you, that's fine. Because the reality is these words speak to you as well because we were designed, as we were reminded so often this morning, we were designed to be in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, with our family members, with our community. And the way we treat our spouse in a married relationship is just an extension of how Christians are supposed to behave in all circumstances. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 this morning and talk about partnership. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection any, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of love mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The first thing I see here from Philippians chapter 2 is that partnership has to do with being of the same mind, having single-mindedness. It says here a couple different ways. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, it's easy to look at what Paul's talking about here and think that partnership means agreeing on everything. But I don't think that's what Paul has in mind. And when you think about being in a married relationship, you're not going to agree on everything. I can tell you very plainly this morning, there are some things that my wife and I will never agree on. The temperature of the house. <laughs> if it were me, it would be like 62, right? Until the electric bill came, and then it would be like, crank that thing up. But I think my wife would be completely content with it being like 85 all the time. Whether or not tea should have sugar in it, right? I don't understand drinking tea that's not sweet. Like, I just don't get it. My wife, if there's just a drop of sugar anywhere near the tea, she knows it. On the flip side of that, whether or not coffee should be black or have cream and sugar, 
I, I like black coffee. I don't like unsweet tea, but I hate sweetened coffee. These are things that my wife and I will probably never agree on. And some of these things are petty, right? But there are maybe some more serious things. When you talk about, like, how do you raise your children and how do you discipline and how do you uh, just get on the same track with your career and your life and your house? I, I, recently, we had an interesting situation proposed to us. Someone on staff here at the church brought in a bag of Nerf guns to my office. I didn't know this, but my wife had already said no, right? So I walk in, I'm like, sweet Nerf guns. So we had to have a little sidebar, and we compromised. And so now the Nerf guns are at my office, and the kids can play with them when they come here, but they didn't need any more Nerf guns at home. And some things are more serious than whether or not you have a certain toy in your house. And sometimes these things get complicated because your ideas change over time. I think about the way my wife and I viewed having kids when we first started dating versus when we got married versus today. And both of us have changed over the years about how many or if any and when. And, and you have to just kind of move with the flow with those kind of things. But single-mindedness is not about agreeing at every moment on every one of these things. Single-mindedness means heading toward the same goal and prioritizing the same things. So I want us to think for just a few moments about how do we achieve single-mindedness? How is it that we get heading in the same direction and prioritizing the same things in our relationships, specifically in our marriages? And I think the first key to this is communication. When Sarah and I were dating, uh, we realized we were serious and our relationship had been going on for a while. Someone had recommended a book to us, and it was a devotional book, but this book had a series of questions that it had you discuss. Things like, you know, what's your career going to be like? How many kids do you want? You know, what role does faith play in your relationship? And just once a week, we would get together and we'd read one of these chapters together and we would just discuss these questions. And I can't tell you the impact that had on our relationship to be able to sit down and have serious conversations with someone. And we didn't always agree with everything, and, and sometimes we would realize things about ourselves that we had never vocalized, but it was a chance for us to communicate what was important to us. And a lot of us are really good in the dating stage about getting to know someone, but once the marriage happens, we think that stops, and it shouldn't stop. Getting to know your spouse shouldn't end when you get married, because people change. And there's more to learn. I was listening to a podcast this week. It's called the M Between Podcast with Daniel and Christina M. And Christina said this, you don't enter into a marriage to say, one day I hope we won't know each other. Right? That's not your goal, is that one day we could just be strangers living in the same house. But for too many of us, we get married and we stop getting to know our spouse. Communication is a key to same-mindedness. Here's one way you could test your communication skills. When your spouse walks into the room and begins talking, how do you respond? Now, there's a couple different options here. Uh, one of the common responses today, never give any attention to the conversation and never look up from our phones. There was actually a study done by the Gotham Institute on communication in marriage. And what they found was that couples who uh, actually engaged in conversation more often, about twice as often, were more likely, almost twice as likely, to stay married after six years. 
all about based on whether or not they engaged in conversation. They could pick up on the cues whether or not someone was trying to have a conversation with them. Heading toward the same goal and having the same priorities doesn't happen by accident. It requires communication, and communication is not always easy. And unfortunately, there will be conflict along the way. So I think the next thing we have to realize is that single-mindedness happens through conflict resolution. The goal isn't to avoid conflict in your marriages and in your relationships, but instead is to have healthy conflict resolution. Have you ever tried to discipline a child while wearing a costume? Maybe I'm the only one. And sometimes you have to have a difficult conversation while you're dressed up like the Grinch, for instance, or Uncle Sam. And I can tell you that what you're wearing impacts the way you have that conversation. It changes your attitude and your ability to convey things. I love the way the Bible talks about our Christian virtues. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 say this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven. I just think it's really interesting here that when Paul talks about what it looks like to live in Christian virtue, he talks about it as you're putting something on. Verse 14 there says, And above all these prong love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What we need to realize is that as Christians, we should be wearing Christian virtues. And that impacts the way we have conflict with people. That impacts the way we talk to our spouse. We interact with our coworkers. We talk to family. That we as Christians need to be wearing these kind of virtues in every relationship we go into. So that when they see us, they see love. They see kindness. They see humility, meekness, and patience. Because we're able to bear with one another. And even if there's a complaint... We're able to forgive because we wear these as our clothes. When people interact with us, they don't see us. Instead, they see these characteristics in us because that's what we wear. That's who we are, and it's inescapable. Back in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about um, us having the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord in one, one mind. And that's because we as Christians are able to wear love into this relationship. And partnership, I believe, is this single-mindedness, this heading in one direction. And that happens when we communicate and we're able to have healthy conflict resolution. But partnership is also serving. Paul says there in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, in verse 3. I don't know how many times I interact with someone and it, what they're really communicating is, what's in this for me? What do I get from this? What's the benefit to me? How will this positively impact me? Have you ever taken a kid to a, another kid's birthday party? Some of you parents like, you know what I'm talking about already. They want to play with the other kid's presence. They want to know when the cake's going to be served. If they're not having fun, they're ready to leave, right? This whole event was designed to celebrate another human's life. But because they're children, they want to know What's in it for me? And I think some of us don't ever grow out of that. I think some of us, we allow selfishness 
to be our defining characteristic. When we go into any situation, any circumstance, we ask, how does this benefit me? What's in it for me? How will this help advance me? Will this make me better, my life easier, more comfortable? And what I want you to know is that selfishness ruins relationships. Selfishness ruins relationships. There in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, count others more significant than yourselves. The New Living Translation translates that phrase, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And the NET says this, treat one another as better than yourselves. And remember, Philippians 2 is not a passage about marriage. Christians have to figure out what this looks like to count others as more significant than themselves in every aspect of their life. When you are at work, you have to figure out what it looks like to count your coworkers and the people who come into contact with you and your clients as more significant than yourselves. When you're interacting with your children, you have to understand what it looks like to count them as more significant than yourselves. When you make financial decisions, you have to figure out what it looks like to make other people more significant than yourself. When you decide how to view the world and interact with the world in your relationships in the church, everywhere you go, in everyday circumstances, you need to understand that we are supposed to be looking for ways to put the other person ahead of us. But this also means that we need to do this in our marriages. So when we think about our schedules, it's easy to be selfish with our schedules and our time. When we think about our career choices and our financial planning and our sex life and managing the household and doing the chores, there's a ton of things, the different areas where you can be selfish. But Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but the interest of others. And according to Philippians chapter 2, our example for this is Jesus. Jesus, who took on the form of a servant. Jesus, who humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. In Mark chapter 10, this is what Jesus says. You know that the rulers of the world lord it over the people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, talking about himself there, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you look at the life of Jesus, he helped the hurting, he fed the hungry, he held the sick, he welcomed kids, he even washed his own disciples' feet. When Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others, he has in mind the attitude that Jesus carried with him in every circumstance, in every situation, everywhere Jesus went, he was constantly putting other people's needs ahead of his own, taking care of them first, reaching out to them, helping them, supporting them, loving them, showing grace and mercy to them. This is what it means to be a servant. And partnership in marriage requires service. And it's not a one-way street. Mutually serving one another. Each week in this series, we've been asked to make a vow. And this is what today's vow is. The first part can be for all of us, and there's the last little phrase that's just for those of you in this room who are married or hoping to get married soon. I promise to put others' needs ahead of my own, starting in my marriage. I promise to put others' needs ahead of my own. And we could look at this as some sort of unrealistic idea. To actually consider other people's needs 
is more significant than our own. But what Paul calls us to do is to find ways in everyday life. When you're at lunch today after church, when you're putting the kids to bed tonight, when you're setting your schedule for the week, when you're doing your budget for the year, when you go to work tomorrow, when you get your coffee, when you're on 410, when you're at HEB, when you're out with your neighbors, when you're out with your friends, in your marriages, be looking for ways to put others' needs ahead of your own. Because our God, our Savior, did this for us. And we, as Jesus' followers, need to learn to do that for others. So this morning, if you're up to the challenge, I'm going to have you repeat these words with me. And I want you to, to seriously consider whether or not you mean it. If not, you can just like move your mouth and don't say anything out loud. We won't, we won't shame you too much. But I really believe that if Christians begin to live this way, it would change everything about us. Your outlook on the world, the quality of your relationships, your marriage would dramatically change if we could learn to put others' needs ahead of my own. So together, let's try this. I promise to put others' needs ahead of my own, starting in my marriage. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the example of love, of service, of commitment, and deep relationship. We thank you for allowing us the privilege of being in relationship with one another, of having this body of believers who are family. We thank you for the gifts of love and grace. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us the strength to fight against the temptation and to fight against the example of this world and to instead put others' needs ahead of our own, even when it costs us so that we could be like you and live the life that you've called us to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.